Good morning. So, you know, I, I may have shared this before, but in Israel, they scoff at what we do for Memorial Day. You know, in Israel, on their Memorial Day, which is not today, all their emergency sirens go off at 10 in the morning so the whole country can hear the sirens. And wherever you're at, even if you're driving on the freeway, you stop, you get out of your car for about three minutes of silence just to remember those who have fallen to preserve their freedom. And they scoff at us because, and they may be correct about this, they think the biggest thing about our Memorial Day are our cells on Monday, you know? So um, let's just take a minute and just remember those who have fallen for us in order to preserve our freedom. And um, just honor them with our, with our silence and our remembrance. All right, now you are free to go to Nordstrom's Rack, 30% off sale. <laughs> so many of you are probably unaware that before I became a pastor, some 35 years ago now, I had an importing business. And I frequently traveled to several countries in Asia, which is where most of my products came from. And so before the days of Uber, before Uber was in the land, one of the things you learn quickly with foreign travel is to make sure that you negotiate a fare before the taxi takes off. Well, on one trip to Korea, I had totally, I forgot to do this. You know, I was really frazzled. It was a long flight. <clears throat> it was around midnight. I just forgot to ask the driver the fare. And so when it finally dawned on me that I hadn't done that, I shouted out, how much is it going to cost for you to take me to my hotel in Seoul? And he shouts back, 70,001, which is more than twice the normal fare. So I shouted back, 30,001. And again, he shouts, 70,001. So I shout back, 30,001. Well, by then, we're already on the busy highway to Seoul. And after about four rounds of shouting, which uh, was going nowhere in our negotiations, he pulls off to the shoulder of the highway and says, get out of my taxi. <laughs> and I say, are you kidding me? I'm not getting out here. And he gets out of the taxi, pulls my suitcase out of his trunk, and leaves me and my suitcase on the side of a super busy Korean highway at midnight. And the only two Korean war words I knew back then were Anyong Haseo, which means hello, and kamsahamnida, which means thank you. Neither one of those words are going to help me get out of this situation. And I learned that day that you don't mess around with Koreans. <laughs> I've been fortunate enough to travel to many countries in my life, and I love all the different currencies that each country uh, trades with. In my travels, I've, traveled with, I've, I've traded with the Korean won, the Japanese yen, the Indian rupee, the Mexican peso, the Chinese uyen, the Cambodian rial, the Israeli shekel, 
the Canadian dollar, the, the Thai baht, and the European euro. And every country trades with a unique currency. And today, we're starting a new series. And as we start this series, we're going to learn about two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world, and that they trade in polar opposite currencies. In this case, when we're talking about currencies, we're talking about a system in which these two kingdoms operate under. And these two systems couldn't be more opposite and conflict with each other. Uh, the best way to think about it is the difference between these two systems is that the kingdom of this world operates from a top-down system, while the kingdom of God operates from a bottom-up system. And we're calling this series the Upside-Down Kingdom because in God's kingdom, it's completely topsy-turvy or upside-down from what is typically considered a normal operating system that you find in the world that we live in. And I don't know, have you ever tried to do something while you're upside-down? Maybe it was hanging by your feet on a pull-up bar. I used to do that a lot. I was into uh, gymnastics. Walking on your hands on a handstand or a downward dog yoga pose, maybe, or even being upside down in a loan. Some of these uh, inverted situations, you know, they can manage them for a while, but all of them are pretty impossible to sustain over a long period of time. So, I mean, I mean can you imagine living your entire life walking on your hands? You know, it doesn't feel normal. You look weird doing it. Blood rushes to your head. Your arm strength is going to give out sooner or later. And yet, as we're going to discover in this series, living upside down is exactly how God wants us to live our lives, which means it's going to feel awkward and it's going to be difficult to sustain. And yet, listen to this, okay, because this is so important. Upside down is the currency God asks us to trade in because it's the only currency that represents the true character of God down here on earth. And as you'll see throughout this series, it's the only currency that Jesus traded in for the three years that he lived down here. <clears throat> when God entered our world as a human, he traded in a currency that is the total inverted opposite of the world's currency. And if we want to live like Jesus lived, which I'm assuming that's what we're here for. We rally together so that we can follow this crazy Rabbi Yeshua, Jesus, and live our lives like he lived his life when he was here. That if we're going to do that, the currency that we'll need to trade in is going to be that same inverted currency. So what's in your wallet? For the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at several contrasts between the world's top-down operating system and God's bottom-up operating system. And as we launch this series today, we're going to start by looking at the contrast between what I'm calling the currency of control that's found in the world's top-down system and the currency of sacrifice that's found in God's bottom-up system. And this message, I believe, will lay a foundation for the rest of this series. So here's the best passage in the Bible that clearly describes the contrast between these two currencies, and it's found in Mark chapter 10, verse 42 through 45. And the context of what's going on in this passage is 
um, a typical world currency issue. Some of the disciples are jockeying for power and position on Jesus' team. And this is how Jesus shuts down their worldly power play. The first verse clearly describes this world's top-down system. It's verse 42, and it says, Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Now, the next three verses clearly describes God's bottom-up currency. He says, not so with you. That's not how you're supposed to do it, okay? Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, meaning Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So let's break down these two currencies a little bit, and we'll do it in the order that the the passage presents. So first of all, let's look at the world's top-down currency, what I call control. And that verse, let me just remind you, it says, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. And that word Gentiles often means non-Jews, but it also refers to the nations. Uh, in, In Hebrew, it's the goyim. It can be the nations or the world in general, and that's exactly what it's referring to in this passage. And it can't be any clearer that Jesus is talking about a very top-down system where those who are in authority lord it over, meaning control those who are under their authority. And here, let me just give you a few other words that I believe describe what it means to lord over or to control someone else, like manipulate, exploit, even subjugate, just to name a few. And sadly, this is the system that most of the world operates under. We're taught very early in life to climb that very competitive and individualistic ladder of success. We're exhorted to remove all the obstacles that are in our way uh, on our journey to the top. We're told that whoever dies with the most toys wins. And we continually pay tribute and honor to society's superstars who do this, our politicians, our movie stars, our sports stars, and our successful corporate executives. I don't think I need to name names here because they are, they're all in our headlines each and every day. And trying to influence, they're all trying to influence the way that we live our lives while contending to maintain the success that they've achieved. They are our self-declared lords, and they love to lord over us. And don't get me wrong, you know, achieving success is, it's not bad in and of itself. I mean, I like to think I've achieved a certain level of success as a pastor. So I'm not talking about that. It's just that in this world, we make achieving successful positions of power a super high value. And then once we get into those positions of power, we end up having to do everything in our power to stay there or to keep climbing even higher. 
And the most effective way to do this is to control or manipulate or exploit or even subjugate those under our leadership, under our authority. And this is most obvious in places, uh, to see this in places like in the world's politics, um, corporate enterprise today, where people compete to get to the top, and once they, they're there, they do whatever it takes to stay there. They'll say what they need to say. They'll do what they need to do. And on some level, I mean, I, I want us to bring it down to our level, because on some level, we all have areas in our lives where we end up in a leadership or an authority position, and we have people who fall under our leadership. And those people might be our spouses or our children or our employees, our students, our sports teams, <clears throat> our voters, even our church members. Just to get you thinking about hierarchical leadership power models. So these, there's two brothers, the names Edward and Peter Shine, have written a great book on this subject called Humble Leadership. The title is a spoiler, isn't it? You already know what their agenda is, which is a good agenda. It's a really good read for anyone in a management position. And in the beginning of this book, they talk about the problem caused by the prevalence of hierarchical leadership power structures in our society today. Here's what they say. Continued deception, scandals, high turnover of disengaged talent, safety, and quality problems in industry and healthcare, all the way to corruption and abuse of power at the highest level of industry and politics, driven by financial expediency and the obsession of retaining power as primary success criteria. All of this will continue to happen as long as leader follower Follower relationships remain impersonal, transactional, and based on the roles and rules that have evolved in the current culture of management that still predominates in our hierarchical, bureaucratic organizations today. It's a mouthful of a paragraph, isn't it? But it's spot on. Ryan Holiday, who was once the foremost media strategist uh, guru behind a lot of highly successful people and companies learned very early in his life how the media can be easily used to manipulate the masses, that's us, into believing anything, whether it's true or not. We call this fake news today. When he wrote this book, that phrase really wasn't being used. And it feeds off the easy gullibility of mankind that with repeated predictability allows this kind of manipulation to be so successful, so easily successful. And Ryan was the master at feeding fake news to the media. This is what he did. He fed fake news to the media so that they, in turn, can control and manipulate us. Most of the manipulation that Ryan used was either to keep a person or an organization in power or to take that power away. But several years ago now, Holiday became personally convicted about all the deception and defrauding behind what he does. And so he stopped and he wrote a whistleblower tell-all book on this subject called Trust Me, I'm Lying, Confessions of a Media Manipulator. 
you need to read this book. If you're a sheep, like I'm a sheep, you need to read this book, okay? The problems he talks about in this book really became a warning. He had no idea. It's like a forerunner, you know, a, a prophecy <laughs> of for what has become known today as the cancel culture that operates like a wave at a sports stadium, doing a wave, you know, when someone persuades just a few people to stand up while lifting their arms and hands, and the next thing you know, everyone in the stadium is doing it. And that kind of easy manipulation is pretty fun at a sports stadium, but it's really destructive in today's cancel culture. And it's fueled by media manipulators, whether you're aware of it or not. There are people behind the scenes pulling puppet strings. <clears throat> Here's what Ryan writes in his book. He says, you've seen it all before. A malicious online rumor cost a company millions. A political sideshow derails the national news cycle and destroys a political candidate. Some product or celebrity zooms from total obscurity to viral sensation. What you don't know is that someone is responsible for all this, usually someone like me. If you were kind, you'd say my job is in marketing and public relations or online strategy and advertising, but that's a polite veneer to hide the harsh truth. I am, to put it bluntly, a media manipulator. I'm paid to deceive. My job is to lie to the media so that they can lie to you. And Ryan was part of a, a very high-level corporate manipulation movement that developed an exact science behind controlling and manipulating the masses, partly to persuade us to buy certain products, but mostly in order to install uh, or to keep or remove corporation executives or politicians in power. And the science behind this might be new, but the strategy Strategy has been used since the beginning of time. And without being woke to this deception, followers of Jesus, like us, are drawn into this top-down system, even though we're clearly exhorted in the scriptures to have nothing to do with it. Listen to this. This is from 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. And it says this. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. And don't be confused about what this means, all right? Not to love the world or anything in it. I mean, if you just don't have any context, it's like, this place sucks. That's not what this is getting at, all right? There's a lot to love in this world that is good, that God wants you to love, the beauty and wonder of his creation. Do you think he wants you to look at this world and said, eh, you're not a very good artist? Or the creativity of artists and musicians and, and movie makers, the enterprise of companies like Uber and Zoom, the engineering 
of expansive bridges and tall skyscrapers, the bakers of scones and croissants and the street food vendors making shawarmas and tacos al pastor. God's not talking about any of these things when he says, do not love the world or anything in it. He's referring to the self-seeking, manipulative, controlling, exploitive, top-down currency that the world trades in. A currency that selfishly postures itself above others and then does whatever is necessary to stay there. And it's all driven, as this verse rightly says, by a lust for power, possessions, status, and fame. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. You've got to get this context right, or you're going to go live in a cave somewhere. And you'll hate that. And if, if we call ourselves followers of Rabbi Jesus, this is absolutely not the currency we are to trade in. This is absolutely not how we are to posture ourselves in the world. We have a lower calling, <laughs> so to speak. That's powered not from top down. It's powered from the bottom up, which brings us to the second point in this message today, and that's God's bottom-up system of sacrifice. So instead of a top-down system of control, God's system is bottom-up system of sacrifice. The next three verses in the passage we started with in Mark 10 clearly describe this model. It starts out by saying, not so with you. What does it mean? Not so, meaning you are not to lord it over others. That is not how you are to operate in the world. Instead, it says, whoever wants to be great, who wants to be great? Okay, we all want to be great, okay? But if you want to be great, you must be, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. In another passage, Jesus says, says, if you want to be first, you need to be last. For even the Son of Man, meaning Jesus again, did not come to be served, but to serve and ultimately to give his life as a ransom for many. And it's really important to get to the bottom of what this means. Do you like my wordplay on all this? Okay. I mean, this is important to me that you like this because... My mind thinks this way, and it just comes out. Okay, so here are some words that I believe describe God's bottom-up currency. Words like empower, inspire, elevate. And listen closely to what I'm about to say, because living our lives bottom-up simply means this. It means putting others above ourselves for a specific purpose. And that purpose is to help them become all that God created them to be. Living our lives bottom-up simply means putting others above ourselves for a specific purpose, and that is to help them become all that God created them to be. Living at the bottom, which doesn't sound good, right? 
you know, we use words like bottom feeders. I mean, it's not usually a positive thinking, right? But living at the bottom is the highest form of love in the universe. Because it makes the flourishing of others the most meaningful and purposeful undertaking that you can do in your life. If you want to have a high status in God's upside-down kingdom, you don't get there by living at the top to be served by others. You get there by living at the bottom to be servants to others. Just as Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. In the bottom-up system of sacrifice, instead of seeking our own fame and fortune, we're called to sacrifice our lives in order to empower, inspire, elevate others to live their best life. In order to help them to become all that God has created them to be. Here's another passage says it even clearer. Philippians 2 uh, verses 3 through 9 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And as usual, I always look up words that are absolutes, right? Uh, just to fact check them, to make sure that someone, you know, some translator is not embellishing this. I look this word up, and the word nothing here in Greek means nothing. Do nothing. I mean, it's a high bar. But do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, or instead, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own, own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Messiah Jesus, who being in very nature God. He was God, right? He came to earth. God came to earth. He did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. He left all that stuff behind, taking on the very nature of what? A servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Those of you who are social media friends of mine or you ever got an email from me, you know that my status says that I am a human flourishing activist. And trust me, I don't always live up to that status, but I keep it out there in front of me because I want to continually remind myself that this is what I am called to do with my life to the best of my ability each and every day. And that passage clearly tells us that the highest way, the highest priority that we can do is to posture ourselves below others. Why? so that we can empower, inspire, and elevate them to live their best lives. And notice closely how it's patterned after how Jesus does this for us. When God came here as a human, he left his high position behind 
He entered earth in the lowest position a person can have, a slave, a servant. And eventually he sacrificed the most important thing that we humans have. He sacrificed his very life so that you and I could live our best lives. Most of you know that uh, Boulder police officer Eric Talley was the first responder on the scene at King Supers when that gunman opened fire in the store a few weeks ago. Officer Talley was a Christian, and he made the ultimate sacrifice by giving up his life trying to save others. And with so many of these mass shootings taking place today, I'm pretty sure you're probably like me. And you wonder if you would respond the same way in a similar situation. Would you run toward the gunman and try to save others? Or would you run away from the gunman to save your own life? And if you're like me, again, you've probably had more than a few fantasy scenarios play out in your head about how you will be the hero in a situation like that. Just Friday, I had, I had lunch with someone at the Southside Cafe and um, outside, which is in the King Supers shopping center. And while I was waiting for the person to come eat with me, I'm sitting and I'm, I'm just looking around and I'm thinking, wow, I am so vulnerable here. Like somebody comes here with a gun, I'm dead. And I wasn't thinking about saving the day. I was thinking about saving me. But, I, you know, I'd like to think, and I bet you'd like to think that you'd risk your life to save others. But honestly, I, I don't know if I have what it takes. Probably not to be a hero in a similar situation. But, you know, it's really the wrong question for us to be asking ourselves. I only brought it up to show how wrong of a question it is. Because few of us will ever be tested this way. The real question to ask ourselves is, will we sacrifice our lives for others in the ordinary situations we encounter every day? Will we lower ourselves and be a servant to our spouses, our kids, our friends, our coworkers, everyone else that God places in our lives? There's no qualifying statement about who we should be place ourselves below. It includes everyone. By the way, if you have someone on your list that you don't consider to be above you, something's not right about how you're thinking. And in those everyday situations, we do this in order to help them become all that God created them to be. I was working this past week at the brew coffee shop in Lafayette. Sadly, you can't go inside Moxie's. So I've mentioned Moxie so many times here. Um, I hope he opens up, but... You know, I need to power for my laptop. I can't be out in the sun all day long. And the brew is a great place in Lafayette. I took a picture of an inspirational sign. They have a gift store 
that's connected. And it was hanging on one of their displays, and I felt it related to this message. And here's what it said. It said, you were not created to live a comfortable life. Remember, it's not comfortable to be living upside down. You are born to be an influencer. And a radical world changer. Don't shrink back from the call God has for you. Step into it. And I thought when I read that, I said, what if everyone postured themselves below others in order to serve them? What kind of a world would this be? Think about that for a moment. If everybody postured themselves below others to serve them. An entire planet of people all working to ensure that everyone else lives their best life. Whew. Well, forget about the entire planet, okay? What if every follower of Jesus did this? Well, forget about every follower, okay? What if everyone here at Cornerstone did this? Forget about everyone here at Cornerstone. What if I did this? Here's another really important part to understand about this. God doesn't tell us to posture ourselves at the bottom so that we can point fingers at those who don't. The moment you point your finger, you're going right back to the world's top-down model where we consider ourselves better than someone else. If you're normal... And most people in here are. There's a few I'm looking at, I could say, aren't. If you're normal, you've already been thinking about someone in your life, as I'm going through this, who really needs to hear this message. (laughs) Don't go there. The only person I can point a finger at is myself. The only person that you can point a finger at is you. Because only I and only you can disengage from the world's top-down system of control and lower ourselves into God's bottom-up system of sacrifice. In fact, can I, can I be so bold as to just have you say that with me? I'll, I'll say it and you please repeat it. If you feel like this is something that's in your heart. Only I can disengage from the world's top-down system of control and lower myself into God's bottom-up system of sacrifice. I really want you to... I don't want you to leave here. I want you to see that we can't control or manipulate someone into doing this, okay? This is not a message you take to somebody and say, listen to this. Or we'll just be resorting back to that world system of lording over people with our authority. We can only empower, inspire, and elevate others to this low position by our own willingness to lower and sacrifice ourselves for them. Just as Jesus empowers, inspires, and elevates us by his willingness to lower himself for us all the way to the point of death.
That's how the upside-down kingdom of God works. It's not easy. It's going to feel uncomfortable. You're going to get a head rush from it. It's painful at times. The process of dying to ourselves, ourselves, is never going to be an easy road to take. But I want to tell you, I want to tell you a huge secret. I want to let you in on a huge secret, okay? It's found at the end of that passage in Philippians that we just read. <clears throat> After, you know, talks about consider ourselves others above ourselves, that our attitude should be like Jesus who emptied himself. He didn't come here, but he brought none of that God stuff with him. Sacrifice his life. And it starts out by saying, therefore. Therefore, because of this. You know, maybe you've heard someone say that whenever you see the word therefore in the Bible, you should always ask the question, what is it therefore? And so you always look back. So in light of what that just said, in light of the, the huge price that Jesus paid in lowering himself all the way to sacrificing his life for us, Therefore, is saying something like, in, in, in light of him abandoning his high position, becoming a servant and dying so that we could live. Don't miss this. What happened to Jesus because he did this, it says God exalted him. God exalted him. Because he lowered himself, God exalted him. To where? The highest place. And gave him the name that is above every name. That at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. You see, the currency God trades with in his economy, the way up is not up. The way up is down. And if you want to be first in God's kingdom, which is a perfectly permissible thing to want, you must be last. If you want to live in God's kingdom, which is a perfectly permissible thing to want, you must first die to yourself. These are all those great passages that we read in the scriptures. And trust me, you are not going to find anyone paying $5,000 for a conference to hear a motivational teacher present an upside-down message like this one. <laughs> but it's precisely the kind of message the world needs to hear. No, that's, I just said that wrong. It's precisely the kind of message the world needs to see. This isn't just a bunch of talk. This is real stuff. And it starts with me, and it starts with you humbling ourselves by considering all, all others above ourselves. There's no exceptions here. So that we can help them become, we can walk along in the journey of helping them become everything God created them to be. We should all be human flourishing activists. Let's pray. Worship team, you can come out. Lord, these are really hard concepts, and um, 
I don't know, I think you put something inside of us that we want to get to the top. It's not, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just how we get there. And I don't think there's a person in this room who hasn't bought into that top-down model in some, some form where we use our authority to lord over someone else. We're all guilty of this, Lord, all of us, me, everyone else in this room, everybody in the world. So it's not bad to want to be at the top. It's just how we get there. And if we don't go bottom up, Lord, it's not going to be good for our souls or anyone else's soul. And so help us, Lord, to do something that's counterintuitive, to walk on our hands, so to speak, every day for a lifetime. And know in our heart of hearts that that's how we become first in your kingdom. And so as we take the next several weeks to look at these different contrasts in your word, what you say about them, Lord, open our eyes and our hearts that we might be transformed and changed each day to look a little bit more like you looked when you walked on this planet. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand up and let's go out with one more song.